Andrew Cuomo was in a world of hurt, and it got worse because Charlotte Bennett spoke with Nora O'Donnell on CBS, and I think it's convincing. I think her conversation, this is a woman who was Andrew Cuomo, Governor Cuomo's aide, what he said to her, the way she describes it, I'm all sorts of bought in. Now, without question, without question, innocent until proven guilty. We're not talking about a court of law. We're talking about a court of public opinion here. Never mind that we have the latest on the nursing home scandal where indeed Cuomo aides were manipulating reports not to show certain bits of data. They're defending this left and right. But they did not want to show on the reports the people who died in hospitals that they were nursing home deaths, right? They, they lived in a nursing home. They then went to a hospital, died at the hospital, not being considered nursing home deaths. We know that's not true. That's how the number went to 6,000 to 15,000. Because just because you died in the hospital doesn't mean you didn't get it from the nursing home. And they still want to push the idea that the reason coronavirus spread in nursing homes is because it was brought in from the people who worked in the nursing homes. Now, I won't argue that it's possible that some people who work in nursing homes brought things in with them. But it is very obvious that if you had somebody who had COVID and you brought them back to a nursing home, you were not doing anybody any favors. It was a terrible, terrible policy. A miserable one. One that was guaranteed to hurt people, and Andrew Cuomo did it anyway. While they were praising him and talking about how great he was and the shadow presidency that that he was running, oh, they did all the things. They did all the things talking about how great and terrific and amazing Andrew Cuomo was. They they can't they can't they they didn't stop themselves. Just the radical levels of self-praise. And now they're all trying to to hide from it. They're all trying to go back on their words, do quite literally anything to be like, oh no, I didn't say that. We we uh, we uh, (laughs) wasn't me. (laughs) It was you. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The podcast, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find it at Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you f- buy your fine podcast. Get Tony Katz today. So he's got this scandal that's growing. But he's got this accuser issue that is not going away. So I want you to hear it. Nora O'Donnell, CBS Evening News, talking to Charlotte Bennett. And this is from from the cast, right? From the newscast. I'm going to break in. I want you to hear it for yourself. You tell me what you think of Governor Cuomo. And again, I'll say it. Innocent until proven guilty. Governor Cuomo said that he has never propositioned anybody. Do you believe that he was propositioning you? Yes. For what? Sex. In the spring of 2020, New York was the epicenter of the COVID crisis. The pandemic was obviously stressful for all of us, and he was on TV nearly every day talking about it. You make that gown look good? So you think... 
By the way, that line, you make that gown look good. He was speaking to, I was a doctor, it was a nurse, it was a healthcare professional. Uh, somebody was, it was giving him his, 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 his test, right? He was getting his, his, his COVID test, and there they are in the gown, and uh, he's, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a throwaway line. I, in, in context, it's super creepy. Um, but it's a throwaway line. Don't let that be the thing that shapes you. Let it go from here. You think all this national attention may have emboldened him? Absolutely. I think he felt like he was untouchable in a lot of ways. Bennett says their professional relationship took a turn on May 15th when she alleges the governor started asking her about her love life and then became fixated, repeating over and over again her history as a sexual assault survivor. So he goes, you were raped. You were raped. You were raped and abused and assaulted. Another. Now, it is so much in my year that that question got asked. So I think it's, it, it, it is without question awkward. It is she uses the cadence that you know that he would use. If you've heard Governor Cuomo for a second, that's the cadence. She had it down. I don't think that you can train yourself to do that. That's what made me say when I first heard that. I was like, oh, oh, this is a believable story. For me, this is a believable story. And she's not done. The encounter happened on June 5th when Bennett says she was called into Cuomo's office to take dictation. And he told her to turn off the tape recorder. And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend he's lonely he's tired you've just finished dictation and the governor is telling you he's lonely and looking for a relationship yes he asked if i had trouble enjoying being with someone because of my trauma this is seems highly inappropriate yeah the governor asked me if I was sensitive to intimacy. I did not know how to take the sensitive to intimacy statement. I, the only way I know how to take it is, are you still able to have sex? Like that's, that I, I, outsider looking in, it's the only way. If, if I was talking to, to her, if I was talking to Charlotte Bennett, I would say, all right, so I take it as he was asking you if you're still able to have sex, right? Like, I would, I would need her to be able to, say, to explain that to me to see how she was taking that. But do you think that he was the kind of guy to say, I'm lonely, I'm looking for... He was married, and then he had this uh, uh, Sandra Lee, somebody he was with for, for a very long time, until I think 2019, because um, I had to go look it up. Is this something that he would say? As we've discussed from other, the, from other comments that we were told, he said he's always um, going around the subject, not coming out straight and asking it, but rather positioning in a way that he wants uh, the woman to ask him or the woman to come to him so that way he's got his plausible deniability. Pretty, pretty low end as far as I see it. And this interview continues. In his office. Yes during the workday. You have been quoted as saying that he also asked you 
about if you'd ever been with an older man. Yeah. He asked me if age difference mattered. He also explained that he was fine with anyone over 22. And how old are you? 25. He was okay with anyone older than 22? Well, isn't he graceful? Good Lord. It was at this moment where I was like, all right, this is all getting very, very, very specific. Like, crazy specific. By the way, Andrew Cuomo is 63 years of age. 63 years of age. But older than 22 is fine. Well, man, power is a thing. (laughs) Power is a real thing. At this moment, as I've watched this, I'm like, all right, all right, I think this is a thing. I think this is a thing from the cadence conversation to this idea of looking for a girlfriend conversation. I think this is, this is real. And she's not done. What were you thinking as he's asking you these questions? I thought, he's trying to sleep with me. The governor's trying to sleep with me. And I'm deeply uncomfortable. And I have to get out of this room as soon as possible. And to be clear, what made you think that he was trying to sleep with you? Without explicitly saying it, he implied to me that I was old enough for him and he was lonely. Text messages sent by Bennett to a friend and reviewed by CBS News memorialize her encounter with Cuomo immediately afterwards. Bennett tells her friend the governor, quote, talked about age differences in relationships. The friend who verified the messages asks, wait, what? Did he do something? Bennett responds, no, but it was like the most explicit it could be. How did you Andrew Cuomo's got himself a whole heap of trouble. Andrew Cuomo has problems. Okay, it's one thing that she could get the cadence right, which for me was selling, sold it. It's one thing that she's describing this, looking for a girlfriend, and, and uh, are, are you able to do this? And That's two. She texted a friend, and you can corroborate the texts? Like, not six months later. Not a recollection of a party a couple years later. This was a text message that happened immediately after the fact. (gasps) I am now finally in the position where I can ask out loud, you think Andrew Cuomo is going to resign? You've heard me say this before. I'm like, "There's, there's no way. There's no way, right? There's no way Andrew Cuomo is going to resign, which is a really interesting game politically, right? If, if Andrew Cuomo doesn't resign, then the Me Too movement is completely worthless. So they need, may need Andrew Cuomo to resign because they need to be able to go after Republicans in the future, which is a callous way of discussing it, but it happens to be factual. But if Andrew Cuomo resigns... Well, that could open up the floodgates to other conversations that may have taken place with other political entities all across the country. Rock in a hard place, baby. 
Me, I never, ever say believe all women. I don't believe all men. I don't believe all anybody. Show me. And sometimes it's difficult. I get that. I think Charlotte Bennett is showing. And and by the way, I don't think Nora O'Donnell in, in, in this situation is, is being ridiculous. I, I don't think there's... Um, there, I don't. I don't think there's a a, a, a a smarminess to it. I think. I think she's. I think she's on top of it, on top of the game, very focused, and I think doing it well and asking it right and making sure she's got clarity on the conversation. Could there be a little more pushback? I, I, I guess so. I guess anybody could argue that. But this is. I think this is convincing. Respond to those questions. I responded honestly. And when I was even thinking of coming forward, I think that was where I held the most shame. And that, like, I really was uncomfortable. Why did you feel shame? I feel like people put the onus on the woman to shut that conversation down. And by answering, I was somehow engaging in that or enabling it. All right. Allow me. Um, I can't tell this woman how to feel. I'm going to share with you a thought on what I think um, to to the extent that it could help how I think the logical mind should go about these things. First, let's be clear that there's an age conversation at play. You're different at 45 than you are at 25. You're different at 28 than you were at 25. You're different. Um, when you're working in in the idea around this this concept of power that a governor has, that also creates level of dynamic as it would with a boss of of many many uh, sorts and stripes. The idea that you have to feel shame that somebody else is a putz, uh, you you got to stop that. Now someone's going to tell me, Tony, you don't understand, and I'm willing to say to you, okay. What I am saying is that I reject the idea that, or no, I can say it better than that. I am saying out loud, you don't have to feel shame because somebody else is a loser. It's not about you. you. You didn't do anything wrong in that case. You shouldn't feel that in the slightest. In the slightest. My gosh. Now, I asked the question the other day. If you raise daughters, has anybody raised their daughter to punch a guy like this directly in the nose? I mean directly in the nose. It's just a job. Bam. Go ahead. Tell them what happened. And you leave. Is there no raising like that? Because I'm actually a huge proponent of the punch him in the nose philosophy. Now, by the way, you don't have to actually punch him in the nose. You can just walk out. We're done with this conversation. You can just leave. You can just leave. And people go, what's going on? Son of a bitch tried to hit on me. And then you leave. (laughs) That's it. That's all you got to do. Is it easier said than done? Well, I guess it must be easier said than done. But ladies, don't feel shame because somebody else is, is, is creeping on you. You know, it's Minecraft. Creeper's going to creep. That's, that's, that's what they do. This woman has convinced me. 
Andrew Cuomo's in a world of hurt. And while I would have said there's a 2% chance of him resigning, let's move that up to 33 and a third, shall we? I'm Tony Katz. Because it's a day that ends in Y, you have Democrats who want to provide citizenship to illegal immigrants. You've got people who are looking to cross the border, and you still have the Secretary of Homeland Security and and, and, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, refusing to say that it's a crisis. It's a challenge, not a crisis. It's a challenge. Do you win a free bowl of soup if, if, if you act like that? What's the, what is the value in saying that? It was a crisis when it was Trump. It's, it's not a crisis now. It's what's happening at the border. You've got, you've got hundreds of kids trying to cross the border it, it it seems very 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 odd that you are unwilling unwilling to to recognize the problem for what it is that you're almost proud to be like oh no it's fine no, no, it's, it's, it's nothing. The border? The, the southern border? Stop. No, don't worry about it. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. We're good. We're fine. Why? What did what, what, you say? What do you think you say? No, 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 no. No, no, that was not. Uh, that's just my sister. No, no, it's not. It's like you, you want to pretend it's not there. It's very weird. I'm going to dig into more uh, of that. I'm also going to get into Joy Reid. Okay, we've we've now crossed the Rubicon. This is this is fetish racism. I don't know how else to describe it. That story's up next on Facebook. Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz today. I need to discuss Joy Reid because. We're now at the point that MSNBC can't rationally have her on the air anymore. I mean, it's, it, we're all getting punked at this stage of the game. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, would love to hear from you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. This, it's, it's, it's too much. It, there's no way anybody's okay with this. But before I get to that, There was this uh, virtual event with the president, Joe Biden. And it's the event where he said at the end, I'm happy to take questions and answer whatever you want me to do, meaning Nancy Pelosi. Well, Pelosi is part of this video. And this part of it really, for me, just came out. And uh, she was discussing how her grandkids were excited to meet Joe Biden. And how... Uh, they were uh, going to a restaurant. I don't know if this is in the world of COVID or not. I don't know how that happened. Uh, going to a restaurant and it was swinging doors. So instead of open Sesame, the kids were saying open Biden. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. 
But this is what it sounded like when she told the story. And it's, I mean, it's just full on cringy, crazed, non-medicated. You, you, you decide. You decide what this is. In order to open these doors, we do not say open Sesame. We say open Biden. That's our magic word. Open Biden. I love it. Now, that's that's not normal, right? That was just, right? It's one thing if something's like weird, just for laying a story and it's cutesy or whatever. But the the whole thing is so is so super odd. So uh, producer Ari, I need open Biden um, as a sounder. I don't know when I'm going to use it, but I'm putting you on the task Think to I make this happen. That. If you could, thank you so much. I greatly greatly appreciate it. Joy Reid is a host at MSNBC, and there has to come a moment where MSNBC says, "Okay, we're done now." Okay, we're done at this moment. Because it's one thing to say racism is real. It's another thing to be a racist fetishist. Yeah, right. She's a fetishist about race. I am the guy, many, many moons ago, I was on MSNBC, it was during the Obama years, with Contessa Brewer as the host, who was always very nice to me. Super nice to me. Really appreciated it. And uh, we were talking about Barack Obama and, you know, not being in favor of Obama's policies. And I said, you know, we've got uh, birthers, right, who who question the birth certificate, which I always thought was nuts. And then we've got truthers, right? The 9-11 was an inside job or whatever they want to say. What about the racers, the people who are conspiratorial about President Obama's race? Anytime you have an issue, oh, it means that you're a racist. No, it just means he's got bad policies. I didn't, now, I didn't actually invent the term. I'd said it on the spot. Uh, Urban Dictionary had already had an entry, uh, so I had gotten credit with, with coining the term. I, 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 I did not. But it, it's still incredibly, incredibly factual. Sometimes we're just having a conversation about the policy. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, baby. That's all there is to it. But listen to Joy Reid talk about with her panelists who are all in agreement about Republicans and race. If I can make it work, I'd be a dangerous, dangerous fellow. No, absolutely. I'm sure the doctors are exhausted. And, you know, Jason, there is a term called necropolitics, which is essentially the politics of who gets to live and who gets to die. And these states, what they have in common is that they have structures which say that black and brown lives matter less. And so she's talking about Texas and she's talking about Mississippi because they're getting rid of mask mandates, although you can still wear a mask. The business can still require a mask to just drop in the mandates and they're getting open. So now she believes that these states have systems that say black and brown people matter less. All that matters is that the black and brown people right. get their behinds into the factory and make me my steaks, make me my stuff, get there and do my nails, work, get back to work now and do the things that I, the comfortable, affluent person need. 
Isn't that what we're seeing? I mean, that's what it feels like to me. Necropolitics in states like Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hunger Games would be more humane, right? If they made people line up and fight for vaccines, at least then you have a fighting chance. No, they're just going to. Wow. She says something that is bereft of decency, never mind logic, and the panel's like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Get back to work and make my stakes. Now, in case uh, you you think that this was just a a, a one-off, on social media, on social media, she says, I'll say it again. People on the right would trade all the tax cuts for the ability to openly say the N-word like in the good old days. To them, not being able to be openly racist and discriminatory without consequences oppression. Trump is the avatar for this freedom. It's time to let her go. MSNBC can't be serious. This is delusional. Don't you know she's not well? She's not well she's not okay she's out of her face what are you doing what are you doing how could you even think this is going to work would you trade all the tax cuts for the ability to openly say the n-word See, first, let, let, let's be clear about what it is that she's doing and the absolute lack of intellect that plays out here. Because this is a woman who took full advantage of being able to make gay jokes about Charlie Crist. Oh, I got hacked. Oh, it wasn't me. It was you. You're the one who insulted him. You're the one who attacked him. It's just like when when people refer to Lindsey Graham as Lady G. Right? You want to talk about his sexuality. I thought these are the things we don't do, but you're totally fine with it. Don't get me in your conversation about obsessing with the N-word and then combine it with taxation. There are things I don't say because there are things I don't say. Now, if you want to create a commandment that says someone can't say it, well, you're going to have to talk to the New York Times about that because you're willing to fire reporters who bring it up in context. Oh, it doesn't matter if it's context. You're white. You're not allowed to. What a laughable thing to say. Of course you can bring it up. Of course you can say anything. If it was really horrible, nobody would say it. But since culturally we allow it, don't be surprised if someone brings it up. This reminds me, there, there was, a, I forget the name of the rapper, singer, brought up a fan to, to join him in a, in, a, in a duet, and he's singing and she's singing, and the, the, the lyric has the N-word in it, and, and the, 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 the fan sings it, and then he's like, oh, you can't say that, you can't say, you set her up! You brought her up to sing with you. She's singing. That's the lyric that you wrote. She's singing your lyric, bought your your album, downloaded your music, bought the shirt, bought the ticket to the concert, is there up with you, singing your song, and now she can't sing it so you can act all woke? Stop it. But because I have the ability to do something doesn't mean I should. It's like with a mask mandate. I don't have to wear it. 
I can if I want to. That's what free people can do. Free peoples and free minds. That's everything. But to make a statement like this, people on the right would trade all the tax cuts for the ability to openly say the N-word like in the good old days. What if you're on the right and black? You see what she's done here? She has eliminated that as a possibility. There's no way somebody who's black is on the political right. No, no, no. If you're black and on the political right, please immediately go see Joy Reid for your re-education. Or whoever uh, Chris Harrison is seeing from The Bachelor. You heard that story, right? Chris Harrison's the host of The Bachelor. And because he didn't fall on attack somebody who was on the show for appearing at an antebellum party... Oh, you're, you're a racist and you're accepting this bigotry. And so he had to be re-educated. He, he has admitted he has a race educator to help him. He's talking to Michael Eric Dyson. Oh, good Lord, you're not going to end up okay after that. He has a race educator to help him. And now he's cured. He's been to room 101. George Orwell isn't rolling over in his grave. He's staring at us saying, son of a gun. They thought I was serious. Either that or saying, I warned you. Right? Pounding a bourbon. I, to- I told you this was coming. And what'd you, you made a movie out of my book. I told you. What does a black person on the political right do? Because, right, because if, if, if you have a certain color of skin, you're allowed to use certain words. If you don't have a certain color of skin, you can't use certain words, which sounds, you know, completely American. But they, but if you're black and you're on the political right, you could use the word and uh, you wouldn't have to give up or, or you could you still get the tax cuts. I'm very confused. But let's bring it back to square. Joy Reid's not okay. Joy Reid doesn't have a good, decent mind. Joy Reid is out of her head. When you live in this world of critical race theory, when you are a race fetishist, like she is, I said racist fetishist earlier, earlier, it's not it, race fetishist, this is all you think about. You just invent these statements and these ideas and these thoughts without any concept of whether or not you make sense because making sense is wholly and completely inconsequential to you. Just throw it out there. Not being able to be openly racist and discriminatory without consequence is oppression. Well, I hate to break it to Joy Reid, but people are allowed to think what they think. They're allowed to say what they want to say because that's freedom. They're not allowed to stop you from getting a job. They're not allowed to stop you from riding a bus. They're not allowed to stop you from drinking from a water fountain, nor should there be two water fountains. They're not allowed to get in your way. But man, they're allowed to think it. Can you imagine there are people out there who think that people on the right would trade tax cuts for the ability to openly say the N-word? There are people out there who think that. It, I don't know how an employer actually employs those people, but they're out there and they think this stuff. And they're allowed to think these things. They're allowed to say these things. Freedom is ugly and it's the best thing going. And Joy Reid is telling you she doesn't believe in it. That is not a condoning of certain language. That is a recognition that free people can do free people things. Honestly, I don't. I, she, race fetishist. That's, that's mine. 
I think I'm the first to that. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, until proven otherwise, you heard it here first. Joy Reid, race fetishist. Twisted. I'm Tony Katz. Now I'm going to get into a whole conversation of this this equity conversation that, that's been going around. And, uh, it's an op-ed out of the Wall Street Journal, an organization that has uh, come to bear in the importance of standing up no matter the cost. And there is a cost to stand up to the bigotry uh, that is uh, critical race theory and what they call anti-racism, which is, of course, flat-out bigotry. But we should also be very much noting the censorship that is taking place. I took a, a, a very relaxed view of what was going on with Dr. Seuss because as I had read the reporting, I said, if the estate of Dr. Seuss wants to stop publishing books because they think that the books in today's world are bigoted, right? It's their books. I try not to get myself worked up or wrapped up in those things. But then I read that people were pushing for eBay not to allow sales of those books. Okay, now we're nuts. Libraries were discussing not keeping the books on the shelves. Well, now we're talking about librarians engaged in book burnings. New York Public Library says we're keeping the books. We do that. We have books. That's what we do. And that's the right answer. That's, as a matter of fact, The only answer that could possibly be Tony Katz. So good to be with you guys. Tony Katz today. But you'll note that Amazon dropped Ryan T. Anderson's book. When Harry became Sally and Target dropped the book of Abigail Schreier, which was also a conversation about transgender children. Then during Black History Month, which is February, Amazon dropped a documentary about Clarence Thomas, the story of his life. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. They dropped it. Not black enough? Is this the argument? Isn't this the argument about why he's not in certain museums? Right? Yeah, he's black, but he's he's a conservative, so he's not really black. We've discussed this a million times, right? If you're black and conservative, you're not really black. If you're Jewish and conservative, you're not really conservative. If you're gay and conservative, you're not really gay. If you're a woman and conservative, you're not really a woman. Right? That that's that's what they believe, and that's what they push. That's what they continually push. Like, like they have somehow the, the lock on goodness and decency of what makes somebody really Jewish or really gay or really black. We're not just talking about gay. We're talking about gay, gay, like, like super duper really gay, like getting to the meetings gay or whatever. I, ask them. They're the ones who are making these claims. Talk to gay conservatives. If gay conservatives were really gay, gay America would be cheering Richard Grinnell. But they don't cheer Richard Grinnell. They try to erase him from history, thus proving my thesis. You drop a a documentary about Clarence Thomas? You drop books that discuss transgenderism and children from another direction? You want to stop sales of Dr. Seuss and get it pulled out of libraries and First, those are the things fascists do. Just just so we're clear, totalitarians do digital book burnings and real book burnings. Totalitarians say you can't watch this documentary. Or you can't push this out there. I mean, there's a lot of work for us to do. It's amazing how some, uh, many on the political left have taken what is just outright bigotry and this totalitarian style and said, no, 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 this is what makes us good and decent. It doesn't. 
It's worthy of a fight. I've got much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz.